of these presents that are on here. I don't know what happened to my picture of presents there that was there, but uh, uh, there we go. Uh, look at these presents. What would you want to be in one of those boxes? What would you want to be in the box? I mean, think about it. I had an uncle. Yeah, everybody's got one of those uncles, right? I had one of those, those uncles. He would come and shake the boxes. Anybody ever done that to somebody? Drives them crazy, doesn't it? And, uh, and so we were watching a Hallmark movie, and, and uh, they were shaking the box, and the angel in the movie said, I don't know why people always do that. But, uh, but they, he would come shake the box. What would you want to be in that box? Would it be maybe a new Apple Watch? Or if you've already got an Apple Watch, maybe a new Apple phone. You know, or, or whatever. Or, or maybe a, a, if you're into jewelry, maybe some jewelry. But most husbands know that we never pick out jewelry well, so we just take our wives to buy it, Right? And, uh, and so those of you that aren't nodding, you need to learn to nod. <clears throat> saves, saves you that extra trip where you take it back and, and buy something else. Or, or uh, maybe, uh, you know, a new game if you're into playing games. Maybe there's a new game in that box. Or, uh, you know, my brother and I, we, we grew up camping, and so it might be camping equipment or, or a train. We got a train when we were little. I'll tell a story about that in a minute. But, but we all have an idea of what we'd want in that box. But I want you to think about this for a minute. As grown-ups, one of the things I think that we probably all want is hope. We're going to talk a little bit about that. I think after the last two years we've had, we want some hope. And, uh, you know, and even now the news is starting to buzz with a new variant and all that going around. And, and, uh, and so we want some hope, you know. And, and, uh, and, and I think that that would be the thing, especially, you know, we're, so many people are dealing with loss, with disappointments with difficulties. I mean, it's been a difficult two years. I, I mean, you know, it's frustrating just on a small scale when you go to a store and there's more empty. I mean, when you go to Ross's and there's empty shelves, that's crazy. That shows there's a problem. When that first started happening, I'm thinking, what is going on here? And, uh, and, and Ross is my, I don't, I don't want to say that. They may sue me for libel or something, but not my favorite store, but, but uh, my wife loves it. And and, uh, you know, for me, I want to go where the pants are all in one stack, the one khaki color here, blue here, black here. I just go one, two, three in my size, and I'm gone, you know. And uh, I, going through racks just it, it short circuits my brain. But, but, you know, we've been through a lot of stuff, and there's a lot of anxiety going on right now. And, and, uh, and, and in the holidays, naturally, if you're an anxious person, raises that. If you're kind of struggling with depression, it raises that a little bit. And so, you know, today as we set our sights on Christmas, and in case you hadn't noticed, the stores already have, and uh, we're going we're gonna to begin to focus, we're doing a series called The Best Christmas Ever, and so I want to talk about some of the things that make a Christmas the best ever. What, what does make a Christmas the best ever? And, uh, and so what characteristics would come with that? I just shared uh, with you a little bit about train, as you think back maybe to your favorite Christmas, you know, I, I spent a couple of Christmases on the couch sick, you know, I mean, I, uh, one as a kid, one as an adult, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and so, but my favorite Christmas, I remember, I had surgery when I was a kid, probably peewee baseball age, and uh, had surgery, and I was in a wheelchair, and, and so I couldn't get out of bed and walk, and it was, I even had my picture in the town newspaper, Santa Claus came to see me in the hospital on Christmas Eve. I got out after that, 
But, you know, I mean, there's me and Santa Claus. I look for that picture. I have no idea where it is. And, uh, and so, you know, it was, it, but it was, it was Christmas time. And, and, uh, and so, you know, my brother and me and my cousins, we all had a contest kind of. This is before cell phones. Who could get up the earliest and go see what Santa Claus brought, right? And so we would, we would do that. Well, I mean, it's still dark outside, and my brother comes in the room and says, Robert, Santa Claus has come. I said, really? Okay, what? And, and he helps me get into a wheelchair and rolls me into the living room. And, and listen, we got a train that would wrap around this room a couple of times. It was fun. But it wasn't the train that made that Christmas memorable. It was that my younger brother came in there and helped me get into a wheelchair when he could have been in there playing with the train by himself. <laughs> Might have been what I'd have done. I don't know. He's a lot better guy than I am. You know, but, but he came in there, and that's the memory. It's a memory of love, you know, and, and, and caring like that. The, the fact that he wanted to make that special. And, and, and it's not just those kind of things. You know, I, I think about my dad and my mom. I think they maybe gave us Benadryl one year. Because they, they built a campsite in my brother's and my bedroom. We shared a room at one point and when we were younger, and he put a big piece of plywood out, and he had a tent nailed up. And that pup tent was up and had a little campfire. The fire wasn't lit, but, I mean, cooking pot and all that. And on there, how they did that with us asleep and never woke up, I think they drugged us. But anyway, uh, they're both in heaven, so the law can't get them now or anything. But, but think back to those kind of fun times. I mean, you know, and, and, and two years ago, you know, this was, we were cruising, things were good, you could, you know, gas was about a buck seventy a gallon, I mean, we were cruising, good time, and then this little pandemic thing hit and changed the world, but, it, but, but Christmas, you know, we were, we were cruising, and then when that pandemic hit, we started losing friends and family, and we had to lock down my poor mother. She just thought maybe she'd moved out to the country and nobody from church was visiting her. We had to keep reminding her nobody was going anywhere, that the Dairy Queen you usually go to is closed right now, you know, and, and, uh, and, and all. And so, but it, it changed everything. And, and, uh, and so for a lot of people, it's been a rough, rough two years. And that's why we're going to end on a high note this year. We're going to talk about Christmas uh, because as dark and dreary as our world can get, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and that light is Jesus. And so we're going to celebrate him. Look what, look what um, Psalm 35 says. It says, For his anger lasts only for a moment, but his favor lasts for a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. How many of you know Christmas morning, there's joy? And so let's begin this journey. We're going to look at hope, peace, love, and joy as we go through this journey. And, and so... You know, if you think about it today, and I would think especially with, uh, you know, all that our culture has become, a lot of people put their hope in a lot of different things. Some people put their hope in government. That's a wrong, wrong place to put it. Some people put their hope in their jobs or vaccine or doctors or getting stuff or Apple or friends or whatever. But I want you to write this down. We will experience our best Christmas ever when we realize our hope is in Jesus Christ. You need to write that down. When we realize our hope is in Jesus Christ. Keep up with me back there, guys. And so uh, you need to write that down. Jesus', Jesus arrival in our world was, was, one, the fulfillment of hundreds of prophecies 
but it brought great hope for people. For hundreds of years, the Israelites, there had been prophecies about a coming Messiah. They, they were looking forward to the return, to the coming of the Messiah. And, uh, and, you know, and for years, they just stumbled around into darkness. For 400 years before Jesus came, there was no prophetic utterances. It was a, a period of silence from God. And, and so here they're wandering around and, 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 and the, looking for this Messiah. Now, maybe you, like other people, you've been surrounded by darkness that's trying to destroy your life. I mean, we talked about we've got disappointments, you know. These last two years are marked by disappointments. You start thinking you're coming out of this thing, and then a variant comes up, and, and, and they put restrictions on you, and different things happen. Or maybe, maybe you're looking for things to happen, career changes or whatever. Maybe you've made mistakes. Maybe you failed at something and, and, uh, or temptations and sins, and, and all kinds of things are going on, and all you see is darkness around. So many people struggling with, with drug addiction. We, we, I can't tell you how many times we have chaplains that are out on drug overdoses right now and, uh, and things like that. It's, it's easy to see the darkness that's wanting to destroy your life and our world. And if you don't see it on your own, the news will help you, all right? And, uh, and so here's what I know. The best way, the best way to eliminate darkness is to expose it to light. See, light chases out the darkness. Light chases out the darkness. I used to like to go caving. And I mean, it's so dark in there, you literally would not see this until you ran into it. And then you wouldn't see it, you'd just feel it. And it's so dark, but when you shine that flashlight, it illuminates the area. Light chases out the darkness. So, so when Jesus entered our world as a baby, hundreds of prophecies were fulfilled, but the world found hope in the birth of a Savior. The world found hope in the birth of a Savior. And so Jesus is the light of the world. Now look at John 8, 12. Jesus spoke to the people once more and he said this, I am the what? Light of the world. He said, I'm the light of the world. He said, if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. So he's saying, I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you'll be in the light. Look what he said in John 9, 5. He said, but while I'm here in this world, I am the light of the world. You know, now that he's gone physically, who's the light of the world? We are, as we reflect his light. And he says that, he said, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Folks, let me tell you, you might see all these things coming against you, and against the church, and against Jesus, and the darkness will never extinguish the light of Jesus Christ. I want you to know something, you're on the winning team. It doesn't matter how bad it looks in the news or how bad somebody tries to make it look, Jesus wins. And when you're on his team, you're on the winning team. And so uh, look, at, look at what Isaiah said. Isaiah is probably the greatest prophet in the Old Testament. He, he was prophesying to a broken and defeated Israel in the worst time of their history. And here's what he said. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. He's prophesying about Jesus. Now, you know, now we know that he was prophesying about Jesus. Then he was, it was 400 years before Jesus, you know, came. And, and so, but what he was offering here is hope. He was offering hope. So write that down. Isaiah offered the people hope, hope of a Messiah. Specifically, there'd be a light in the darkness. And, uh, and, and to those who were living in the darkness, there would be a light. Now, 
We know that he was talking about Jesus when Jesus came. But let me just tell you, we're in the same position as the people of Isaiah's time. We're looking for Jesus to come back. And folks, he is going to come back. He is going to set things right. And, uh, and he will take us to be with him. It's what we know as the second coming. So as we proceed through Christmas, or for my mama's sake, Advent, the Advent season, we've got to recognize and acknowledge our hope is in Jesus. It's not in the malls. It's not any of that. Jesus is the reason for the season. Say that with me. Jesus is the reason for the season. Remember when everybody had those little signs that put up? I love it. Still doing some areas and, stu and stuff. And So we've got to put our hope in Jesus. You know, he's the light that pierces the darkness in our world. Uh, you know, it's not, not anything that anybody's going to do or it's not about having stuff. He's the light that pierces the darkness. And Jesus is one day going to come back for each of us who follow him. But until he does, we've got to trust him. We've got to trust that he's going to do what he says he'll do and that uh, we've got to follow his lead so we can accomplish what Jesus wants us to do. So write this down. Our shared hope is in Christ alone. Number two, I want you to write down. We'll experience the best Christmas ever because hope sees light in the middle of darkness. See, hope is what allows us to see the light. Hope is what, what allows us that in the middle of a pandemic, we can see a light at the end of the tunnel. Or in the middle of a personal crisis, maybe you're going through a relationship crisis or, or whatever, that, that you can see hope because of Jesus allows you to see hope. Maybe you're in the middle of a long sickness. Jesus is the is the light that allows us to see hope there? Maybe, uh, maybe your kids aren't acting right, or maybe one just turned thirteen or fourteen, and you're in that tunnel now. Hope lets you see light in the darkness. Look what Paul said. He said this in Romans fifteen. He said, and in another place Isaiah said, the heir of David's throne. That's Jesus. Jesus is the heir of the throne of David. Will come and he will rule over who the Gentiles. That's us. They will place their hope on him. That's who our hope is on. And then Paul continues, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you what? Trust in Him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, our hope doesn't come from anything other than Jesus. He's quoting Isaiah. But so Jesus is the source of our hope. Write that down. Jesus is the source of our hope. He gives us benediction. He says he hopes that we're completely filled with joy and peace because we trust him. I mean, listen, let me ask you this. Do you want, do you want joy and peace in your life? You want joy and peace in your life? See, joy and peace come as we trust Jesus. They don't come uh, because of anything else. Joy and peace comes because we trust Jesus, which will lead to an overflow out of our lives into those around us. That's what happens. You see, hope doesn't increase because your circumstances get better. And hope doesn't decrease because the circumstances get worse. Hope increases because we put our trust in Jesus Christ. We trust Him for our self-esteem. We trust Him for our direction. We trust Jesus. Hope resides in a person of Jesus Christ. So even in the middle of suffering and pain and loss, we can, we can uh, be overflowing with hope. Now, the difficulty we have is to maintain confidence that God's plan uh, for our lives is going to happen. It's natural to have doubts. It's na you, if you have doubts, you're not abnormal. Welcome to the human race. 
uh, you know, you're exactly the kind of person that Jesus said, you know what, I need to go down there. I need to die for that person so I can pay for his sins and guide and direct him and lead him because we're going to have those doubts. See, on your worst day, Jesus is for you. He's with you. He's on your side. He's shining his light into the darkness that's trying to destroy your life. And make no mistake, whether that darkness is addiction, whether it's self-centeredness, whether it's uh, pornography, lust, whatever, he's shining that light to try and show you the right way. So number three, I want you to write this down. We'll experience our best Christmas ever when you let Jesus live in you and shine through you. See, when he lives in us, he's going to shine through us. He's going to shine through us. When you give your life to Jesus, let me tell you, something amazing happens. When you invite Christ to come into your life, something amazing happens in your life. How do I know that? Because it happened in mine. I look around this room and see people that has happened in your life. Something Everything changes. Things you thought were important become not as important. Things you didn't even realize were important become vital. You become a new creation in Christ. You become a new creation. Look what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.17. I love this verse. This means that anyone on your outline, circle anyone, that's you. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Let me tell you, if you want to be a new person, we're going to give you an opportunity in this service, whether you're online or in this room. He said anyone who becomes, uh, belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has become. You become a new creation. New thoughts, new desires. See, God, yeah, a lot of people, before you you give your life to Christ, you think, oh, man, I'm going to have to give up this. I'm going to have to give up that. I'm going to have to give up this. I'm going to have to give up these friends. No, you don't. God changes your want-tos. My want-tos are way different than they were before I accepted Christ. They're different than they were a few years ago. I mean, God works through changing us and our want-tos, and he gives you the power to do it. So don't ever say, well, I know God wants me to... Quit drinking, or God wants me to do I just can't do it. Yes, you can. Through Christ, you can. Your old self has been crucified. So now, hey, look at Galatians 2.20. Paul said this, My old self has been crucified with Christ. This is how it happened. It's no longer I who live. Listen, you can't live a Christian life. You can't. Here's what Paul said, how you do it. My old self's got to be crucified with Christ. I die to my old desires. I die to my old identity. I die to my old friends. I die, and now Jesus is living in me. That's the only way we can live a Christian life, is to allow Christ, through the Holy Spirit, to live in us. So he says, I, so now in this, I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's how we live the Christian life. We die to ourselves and allow Jesus to live it through us. See, it's not, a, it's not a matter of you trying harder or even, even trying harder with the Holy Spirit's help. It's, a, it's, it's allowing Christ to live in you. So living a Christian life is dying to yourself and allowing Jesus to live in and through us. It's a simple thing. Not necessarily always easy because we've got to die to ourselves all the time. How many of you, like me, you, you, you self-control Head pops up all the time, right? Got to whack him back down. You're supposed to be dead, you know? And uh, you've got to kill that old self and allow Christ to live through you. As you grow in your faith, you'll begin to overflow with hope. Look what Paul said. I pray God, the source of hope, we get our hope from God, not from the world, not from 
from your bank accounts, not from anything. He said, God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. We grow in our joy and peace because we trust him in him. And he said, then you will overflow with the confident hope through the Holy Spirit. See, that's where it comes from. And as hope comes pouring out of you in every situation that you go through, you're, you're going to, you know, you're, you're in, whether it's adversity or whatever, you know, you're, it's just going to spill out to people. It's going to spill. That's the purpose of us having hope. See, it leads to this next point I want you to look at. We will experience our best Christmas ever when you let your light shine. When you let your light shine. See, don't hide the light of Jesus. That he's shining into your life. Let it shine. We used to sing that little kid song. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. I see you rocking over there with it. And uh, some people remember that. Some of y'all went to Sunday school. Some of y'all need to go to Sunday school. But anyway, uh, you know, I mean, think for me for a moment. For Look at a lighthouse. I mean, a lighthouse is a tall tower with a light at the top of it, right? See that picture? I love, you know, along the coast you see the lighthouses. And a lot of them you can go tour and all that. And it's usually, they usually put them around a bunch of rocks. It's to warn ships in the old days when they didn't have the navigation they do now uh, that there was danger right there and to guide ships into safe harbor. And see, hope is a lot like that lighthouse. It's going to guide us through uncharted waters, through unknown waters. It's going to guide us through situations back home. When we look at the light of Jesus, it guides us like that lighthouse. That's what hope is. See, whether, whether you're parenting a teenager or going through a pandemic or looking for a job or trying to retire, the hope of Jesus, the light of Jesus will guide you through all of that. Peter said this, and, and, and here's the thing, and, and as it guides us, it's going to overflow in us, and here's what Peter said. Instead, you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. So we've got to worship him, not as Savior, he didn't say. He said as Lord of your life. That means I'm following Jesus. I'm lining my values up to go with what Jesus values are. I'm living my life and my beliefs are based on the word of God, not on some God that's fiction that I've made up. See, a lot of people want to want to follow a God that that believes what they believe. Remember a few weeks ago I told you about the lady that thought God had called her to to, to be a stripper for Jesus? I mean, she, you know, I mean She's got a made-up God. That's not God. See, God is the God in the Bible. And, and when the Bible and me disagree, i got to get right with the Bible. And, and so and he said, so you worship Christ as the Lord of your life. He's the master of my life. He's the boss of my life. Lord of your life means you are living your life by what he wants. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, listen. When we, what God is doing in your life, what God's done in my life, He's saying when somebody asks you about it, just be ready to share it. You don't have to go preach them a sermon. You don't have to go uh, say, well, I, I know all the answers. I know when Jesus is coming back. Nobody does. But, I mean, you don't have to come up with some. You just say, you know what? I've been off alcohol for two and a half years because of Jesus. You know, you know what? I, I've been able to stop making bad decisions. I used to, to be abusive. And now I'm a nice person because of Jesus. That's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. You know what? I used to be a knucklehead. And now I'm not as bad as I was because of Jesus. 
You know, I, I, you just share what God's doing in your life. What God's doing in your life. You know, that's what he's talking about. Always be ready to explain it. You, I mean, you just explain what Jesus is doing in your life. You can share that. You don't have to be a theologian to do that. So write this down. Always be ready to share your story. Always be ready to share something about your story. It's amazing when we talk to people. Even that waitress that was going through a difficult time, she had no family around. Well, how many of you have been separate from family at some point in your life and you feel a little bit lonely? Guess what? Christ got you through it. You can help somebody else go through it. You see, I mean, you just share whatever applicable story that you have. Share your story. Jesus said this, you're the light of the world. Do you know that? He didn't say, I want you to be the light. You're the dim one or you're the light. But you're the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. I mean, he says, we're the light of the world. See, Jesus said, while I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Now he's saying, you are the light of the world. I don't know about you, but I want to be a bright light for Jesus. How many of you want to be a bright light? I don't want to be a dim light. I want to be a bright one. He said, like a city set on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. You know, one of the beauties, it's hard to say New Orleans is beautiful sometimes, but, but after Katrina, when the lights finally came back on and you could see the glow in the sky coming off the dark spillway or out of New Orleans east where it's dark, see that light. I remember, I remember just the first time driving in, I'd been at a conference out of, out of town. I was driving in, and the steeple light on the seminary was on. That was the only light in New Orleans East. It was like, oh, man, you can see that light. You don't hide a light under something. You don't put it under a basket, Jesus said. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. You know, when we didn't have power, we lit up a few candles. You put those candles up high, and guess what? They light the room. And, uh, and, uh, and so, you know, you, that's what you do. You put that light up there. And in the same way, he said, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Now, here's, here's, here's kind of the thing. He said, let your light shine. And there's a so that. So that everyone will praise your Father. See, you let your, your light shine to other people. Let your witness shine to other people. Let you explain. You're ready to defend or to explain where you put your hope, why you can have joy when, when crazy times are going. And, and you do that, and people are going to ask. And he said, you let your light shine so that everyone else will get interested in your Jesus. Everyone else will get interested in your Jesus and, and praise your Heavenly Father. Isn't that cool? See, there's a, there's a lot of so that's in the scripture. And, and so you're a, light, a lighthouse to a broken and lost world. Don't hide that light. Let it shine. Let the hope that Jesus has given us shine to other people so they can have the same kind of hope we do. I think that's good stuff. I might amen myself. Amen. amen. See, the best Christmas ever, right, just now is going to be rooted in love. There's no better gift than you can give anybody than to give those around you the eternal hope of Jesus. The eternal hope of Jesus. You know, I mean, that's just the best you can do. When, when we believe 
When we really believe that God is going to come through on his promises, thus then we'll be stirred, we'll be stirred to let our hope spread to those around us. We've got to keep our faith up. We were talking uh, to my sister-in-law, Pastor Kathy was, and, and, and she watches a lot of Christian TV. We do as well. And you want to keep your faith strong. That's a whole lot better than watching CNN, Fox, and all those others. Now, I know we've got to keep up with news and all, but we've got to keep our faith strong. When you really believe that God's going to come through with whatever, then we'll be, able, we'll be stirred to let our hope spread to others. Choose hope this Christmas. And let's let it be contagious. Choose hope. I love this quote. C.S. Lewis said this. Hope is one of the theological virtues. Now, let me just tell you, C.S. Lewis is not bathroom reading, okay? There's a movie coming out about him, but he's like one of these really smart people. Hope is one of the theological virtues. It means that a continual looking forward to the eternal world is not a form of escapism. Some people will try and say, well, you're escaping from reality by looking for the eternity. Let me tell you, he said it's not, or it's not wishful thinking. But it's one of the things a Christian is meant to do. It does not mean that we leave the present world as it is. If you read history, this is what got me. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for this present world were the ones who thought most about the next. So when we live with an eternal perspective, when we live knowing that we're going to be spending eternity in heaven with Jesus, we're going to live like we've got a purpose to live and we're going to do more for this world than we would have if we didn't think about the next world. So why don't we talk about living in a, with an eternal perspective. It's, it's easy to feel overcome by the craziness of this world. And a lot of people around us feel that way right now. They feel that way right now. But we don't lose heart. Jesus has overcome the world. He said, in this world, you're going to have troubles. How many of you would agree with that? We're having troubles. But he said, I've overcome the world. So we've got to stop believing the lies that say things will never change. We've got to stop believing those lies. We've got to choose to find hope in the promises of God. Choose to believe that Jesus' birth, that we're going to celebrate this in December, uh, changes everything. Jesus' birth changed everything. It's the central most event in history, his birth and crucifixion. So we've got to choose to believe that it changes everything. We can either live a life that's defeated by the darkness in our world, or we can find victory in the light of Jesus, and we can help others find that victory. So choose hope and share it with others this season. This coming week, I want you to think about people in your life, people maybe you spend a lot of time with, family, friends, co-workers, a waitress at your favorite restaurant. Some of y'all, you go to the same places like we do. And you know you go somewhere too, too, too much when they bring your food to you and you didn't ever order. Some of y'all like that. But, you know, think about those, those favorite waitresses at your favorite restaurant. Consider ways you can share hope. Maybe live a bigger tip than usual. But if you do, leave one of these with it. Uh, we're going to get some things printed, uh, just a, uh, uh, like a kindness card, a little card you can leave. They'll say, Jesus loves you and so do we. And have our website on it or something like that. And, and, uh, but, but leave a little red Bible. Don't leave a little red Bible without a tip. Leave a big tip. I mean, I love, you know, Pastor Kathy, we, that waitress we were sharing with and trying to encourage the other day. She said, did you leave her a tip? I said, yeah, I've already got the email from Capital One. 
said, did you mean to leave a 50% tip? You know? And because I don't want to talk about Jesus and be chintzy, all right? Don't you talk about Jesus and be chintzy either. Maybe you leave a good tip. Maybe you pay for some groceries for somebody in line. And I'm always looking, especially for elderly people. And they're, and they're looking at their groceries. And I've done this before where somebody didn't, and they were going to put something back, and I said, I'll, take, I'll, I'll, I'll pay for that one. They're on limited income. And, and maybe you do that. I don't do that if I got liquor in their, in their basket but, or cigarettes. But if, if it's food, you know, I do that. So, I mean, maybe you pay for groceries. Maybe you pay for some gas. One of the things I'd love for us to do one day is, is go to a gas station. And, and we'll pay $25 on, on, on however many, much money we got to spend and pray with people at the gas pump. I was reading the church did that. They, they spent about five grand. We don't have five grand to spend yet, but we will believe for that. And so they spent about $5,000 at a gas station. They led six people to faith in Christ. They, pray, they had people praying with people in the cars while somebody else was putting $25 in their tank. Wouldn't that be something in a, in a time when people could probably use $25, maybe 20 whatever, you know, listen, you guys have been awesome, and we've done way more than a lot of small churches have. And, and so just think. I mean, God, that you do whatever. You know, maybe, maybe you see uh, somebody struggling with something, and you help. Maybe you cut their grass. I don't know. Uh, but you pay. You, we want to think of how we can bless people. So let me, let, let me just have you bow your heads. And we're talking about hope. Hope is rooted in Jesus, and we're to share that hope with others. And, and it all starts with your relationship with Jesus. You know, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you look around the world today, it's dark. There's a lot of craziness going on. There's a pandemic been going on for two years. Doesn't look like it's going to quit anytime real soon. The economy's horrible. The saints are terrible. I mean, it's not a good time to be in New Orleans. I mean, I mean, at least LSU won. Gives you a little hope. Listen, hope comes from Jesus. And we need to share that. But if you don't know Jesus, you don't have that hope. So I want to give you an opportunity because here's what I know. Jesus made a difference in my life. I was an angry, frustrated kid. I had no reason to be. I had a great family. But when I invited Jesus to come into my life, it changed my life. And I know he'll change yours. Change it for the good. It'll change yours for the good. So just, just bow your heads where you are. And I want you to pray this prayer with me. It's a prayer that I prayed many years ago. Simple. You don't have to, you don't have to pray in King James. You don't have to pray on your knees or on your face. You can. You just got to talk to God. And here's what I told him. And I want you to just everybody repeat this with me. Dear God, I'm a sinner. And I need a Savior. Jesus, thank you for paying the price for my sin. Come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. Jesus, give me your power to live for you every single day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, Jesus just forgave you of your sin. He came into your life, and He will live in you and through you. And you can begin to have a hope that's based on something besides circumstances. So 